What is going on, OWS fam, fantasy fam? Welcome back to our second edition of a DraftKings lineup in the DFS lab. I am your host, JM to win. In a moment, I will be joined by Keegan. We will be building a roster for the week two main slate. We'll be talking through some of the situations on this slate, and we will be talking through some of the strategies that we want to keep in mind in order to get to first place in our DFS contests. One week season. Pros. We're pros at this. <laughs> uh, Keegan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. Cleaned up the house a little bit today, so feeling good. So I got a text from you yesterday with two rosters you were considering for showdown. One had DeAndre Swift and one didn't. I didn't see the text until the game ended. I told you play the one with Swift. Uh, which one? Which one did you end up playing? I actually like I couldn't make up my mind, so I ended up just like having seven separate rosters. Okay. One of them I even had like the defense as the captain. I did the the captain mode, the showdown, and uh, I was doing really really good. Like I was like close to like the top ten, almost like shooting probably for like first. And uh, then Jalen Hurts just started. To, I mean, I had him, but he just wasn't my captain. So then he just started to pop off, and I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Did you have any um, DeAndre Swift captain rosters? Uh, no, no captains. I had him in like. Half of my rosters, though, actually. Nice, nice. Probably, probably required to have him as captain on that on that slate. Yeah, um, <laughs> man, they started running him like a ridiculous amount. I actually, uh, I thought about playing. You know, I don't typically play showdowns just because my week is so cramped. But now that we have the the Bink Machine Optimizer on on OWS, I was like, man, I might just build some some lineups. And I'm you know in Oregon during the week, so I can't play DraftKings unless I enter them out of state, which. For those of you who don't know, I fly out on Tuesday every week to Oakland to reserve my DraftKings lineups for the main slate. But I was like, man, I might just fire in some FanDuel showdown uh, rosters and then just didn't have the time. But I was thinking, man, DeAndre's like, he's so good. And it was like with Gainwell out, he has a chance to be just a monster piece in this game. Obviously, wide range of outcomes, but fun to see him have a, a huge game like that. Um, and you know what's funny is like I read – Three separate articles. I listened to one other person. All four of these other sources each said that Swift, do not put Swift on your roster tonight. And I was like, why? They're, they were saying that um, the other two were going to be starting over him. And they, some one person speculated that um, they were just going to start rotating backs each week because that's what they could do. You know, this is a, a great reminder of what week one can do to us. And one of the most valuable things heading into week two is not overrating what we saw in week one. Uh, I think I mentioned on our show, was it yesterday that we did our last show? Yeah. Yesterday. I think I mentioned Jameer Gibbs is one of the, the tournament plays that I like. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those exact types of plays where could Jameer Gibbs come out and get nine touches again and end up with seven DraftKings points. Absolutely. But also, could he put up 30 DraftKings points this week? He totally could. And people are going to be like, oh, they didn't use him last week, right? David Montgomery played, I think it was 83% of the snaps or 81% of the snaps, which is huge. Like typically running backs in today's NFL, the top guys are, are 70% unless it's like Christian McCaffrey or something like that. So David Montgomery had this massive role in week one, but it's like, 
does that mean that that's what's going to happen in, in week two? They drafted Jameer Gibbs in the first round. I think he was a top 10 pick, 12th overall or something like that in that range. Like they didn't draft this guy to sit on the sidelines. And you saw in that, in that week one game, when he touched the ball, like the speed at which he moved was different from everybody else in the field. Like they're going to look for ways to leverage that throughout the season. This could be the week that that happens. Uh, Nico Collins on the Texans was uh, near the top of the NFL in air yards in week one and percentage share of team air yards. And he's certainly the number one wideout on that Texans team. But just because he had that, that type of central focus in week one, does that mean he's going to have that type of central focus in week two, Noah Brown, who was their number three receiver, is out this week. Tank Dell, who lit up preseason, is going to be starting this week. He's 3,400. Like, Tank Dell could come out and have nine targets this week, and Nico Collins could have six or seven, right? So all these spots where, to me, I want to take all the information that I have and be willing to also be wrong on spots where there's a lot of upside available as opposed to overweighing what we saw in, in just one week of the season. So, yeah, definitely something we can look to do this week uh any other thoughts from you before we get to a, a roster build here um i had one but i just blanked out That's okay it. we'll get to them as we get through the build so for any of you who are new to this show keegan's been playing dfs since 2020 he's been playing seriously since 2021 i've been playing since 2013 i've been playing seriously since 2014 so that's kind of the vibe of this show is we want keegan to be able to be a proxy for the audience i guess within a year or two, we'll have to amend this, this intro because you'll have that much more experience under your belt. But the idea here is for me to be the expert. Uh, there's no such thing as a fantasy expert, but uh, for me to be the expert and for Keegan to be kind of the proxy for the audience, asking the questions you guys would be asking, thinking about the types of things you guys would be thinking about, obviously been working through rosters and thinking through this slate. And so cool opportunity for us to have this type of back and forth that we don't typically have on shows available around the industry where it's just two experts going at it. So with that, we're going to open up, Keegan, your DraftKings non-app, your DraftKings desktop, and let me know uh, anything that's been catching your eye over the last day. I don't know how much time you had to kind of mess around with rosters uh, and anything that, that kind of stands out to you is what you, what you want to pinpoint as a potential starting point for this roster. You know, what? Uh, what's crazy is like I usually – like you said, you usually don't get in like the, the primetime games, but for some reason, I just really thought I would enjoy watching the yesterday's game. I ended up enjoying it a lot. So I didn't really spend a lot of time looking at some of these other games um, in that stead. You know, what's uh, last night I was looking forward to watching that game and, you know, Abby and the kids got home from being away for two weeks. They got home on Wednesday night late mm -hmm. and I thought I would watch that game last night. And then I, I looked up and it was 8-10 on the West Coast. So there was like 10 minutes left in the game. And I was like, oh, God, I forgot to turn on that game. <laughs> I completely forgot to turn it on and check the score at that point. So, yeah, I was looking forward to watching that one as well. And uh, I'll catch it on Monday when I go back and rewatch as many of the games as I can. But uh, Man, I completely it, missed that game in real time. It was crazy, you know, seeing JJ just get all these yards but no touchdowns. Two Two games already, and I, I think he has like 20, 20 receptions. And oh, he's got over one hundred and fifty in both games. Uh, yeah, it's just nuts. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy. His stats are crazy right now, but zero touchdowns. Zero touchdowns. <laughs> It'll all work out. But he's gonna have like a two touchdown game when he has sixty receiving yards or something. <laughs> right. I just keep screwing everybody over. Which kind of speaking of uh, 
this is an interesting slate. I'm going to talk about this on the Angles podcast today, which if you're listening to this, that's on the One Week Season podcast feed. Uh, it's a solo podcast where I take kind of an overview look at the slate. One of the things that's really interesting about this week's slate, there's a lot of guys who I typically stay away from because they're the Keenan Allen type players. So Keegan, you've heard me talk about this before. The OWS fam knows what I'm talking about with the Keenan Allen type players. It's the guys who, when you look through their game logs, you feel really comfortable playing them because it's like double digit points, double digit points, double digit points. But they so rarely, Keenan Allen's like one of his last 31 games, he put up 30 plus. And at his price tag, you want him to be able to go for 30 plus points. And so Stefan Diggs kind of the same way. He had one or two blow up games last year. Amon Ross St. Brown kind of the same way. He had two blow up games last year and the rest of them were kind of disappointing for his salary, but they didn't kill your roster. And I usually avoid those players in tournaments for the most part. But this week, Justin Jefferson's missing from the main slate. Uh, Tyreek Hill is missing from the main slate. Jamar Chase, not in a great spot against Baltimore for like a 40-point game. Not to say that he can't get there, but not a great spot. Uh, Christian McCaffrey doesn't really have a 40-point role on the 49ers just because they take such a big lead more often than not and are not able to uh, – and don't end up feeding him that type of role. Saquon Barkley hasn't – didn't top – I think he topped 25 points once last season in this Giants offense. Uh, didn't top 30 points at all. Austin Eckler might not play this week. Bijan Robinson had 16 touches last week. Tony Pollard's playing the Jets. So it's like at the top end, there. oh, Don, Devontae Adams playing the Buffalo Bills. So I don't think there's going to be, or I shouldn't say I don't think there's going to be, like fundamentally there is a low, low, low percentage chance this week that we see a 40-pointer, which means that this week, these guys I typically avoid, the guys who I'm like, well, yeah, they're going to get you 18 to 27 points, but they're almost never going to be the guy you had to have. Those guys actually become a lot more valuable this week. So it's a really strange week for me. You know, you mentioned Justin Jefferson, how insane his stats have been. Like him being off the main slate, even Jalen Hurts, you know, a lot of 35, 37 pointers last year, being off the main slate, Tyreek Hill being off the main slate. It really shakes up this week to where guys like Stefan Diggs, guys like Keenan Allen, guys I'm typically not as high on are guys who are really catching my eye this week and are very interesting to me. So uh, yeah, I, I like that is something like a different setup for what I typically do. And I think that, that that's a unique advantage, right? Because anytime we have a different type of setup, then that allows us to identify different things that, that give us an edge. Okay. Awesome. So, I mean, you asked me where I was looking, um, but after what you just said, where are you looking? I, so, you know, I typically start with what passing attack do I want to bet on? What passing attack do I think has the most upside or not necessarily the most upside, but what do I, cause you know, at this point in the week, and again, we use this as a thought exercise. The, the idea here is not for you, the audience to take this roster and put it into tournaments. Technically we, we have to tell you not to do that. Right. But the idea here is not for us to build a roster that we're all going to go put into tournaments, but to kind of work through rosters. And so for me, I build usually 50 to 80 practice builds throughout the week. And I'm trying to just get a sense of all the different ways pieces fit together. So on these practice builds, it's either, you know, what passing attack do I think has the most upside or like what passing attack could have the most upside. And I kind of want to build around that scenario and see what that looks like. So from that standpoint, you know, I mentioned yesterday, I think we did a Trevor Lawrence roster yesterday. So I mentioned yesterday, uh, really like Josh Allen against the Buffalo Bill. I mean, against the the Raiders. Not a great defense. 
And Buffalo is the type of team that will want to make a statement. They don't run the ball much. They're willing to pass deep into the game. They're willing to score points even when they're ahead by a lot. So really like Josh Allen this week, really like the Mahomes-Trevor Lawrence setup. There are arguments for how Seattle-Detroit becomes the game you had to have. And there are arguments for how it could really disappoint. So that game has a very wide range of outcomes. But both the quarterbacks in there are interesting if we want to say, hey, let's build around one of those. Uh, and then another one who I really like and I think is going to go super overlooked is Brock Purdy, who's 5,700. And the 49ers have scored 30 plus points in seven of their last nine regular season games. He consistently puts up 18 to 22 DraftKings points, which at 5,700, perfectly fine. But he also has a 37 pointer in there. And what if the Rams are able to put up some points here and kind of force the 49ers to stay aggressive? So uh, the idea of building a Brock Purdy roster with a Rams bring back is also interesting to me. And I think he'll be under own. So yeah, any of those spots uh, I'd be good with, with starting with those. Yeah. I've been actually seeing a lot about Brock Purdy um, today specifically, like this morning when I was just on my phone for a minute, when I got a break. Um, so I'd love to uh, just see where we can go with a Brock Purdy roster. Cause I haven't built anything around him this week. And I just think it actually is such a good uh, price point for him. So, so you mean by seeing a lot, you mean like when you were building, <clears throat> just like kind of standing out to you a little bit no just like uh media wise like okay. I, I just hop on uh you know just youtube uh tiktok anything like that and uh just check on what's what's going on this week um along with looking at the roster itself but um previously probably about yesterday two days ago you know just the whole past week I really wasn't looking at this game. And, you know, I could say the same thing as, like, last week as well. The Niners had a great game last week uh, point-wise. And uh, I just – I didn't think I played much of the Niners. Like, Ayuk, uh, uh, Debo, I didn't uh, – CMC. Man, I – oh, man, I wish I would have gotten CMC more. But You know, and the, we had that around the industry cheat sheet. I don't know if you've seen that yet that we have going up in the, the scroll each week. But we have – like a lot of the top DFS and fantasy minds, we have five pick them tiers. And a lot of these top DFS and fantasy minds just come through and pick their player per each tier. So like we have Big T from Run Pure. We have Notorious and Squirrel Patrol from Roto Grinders. We have Derek Cardi from The Blitz. We've got all these great DFS and fantasy minds. And the the one of the tiers last week had Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, uh, maybe Justin Jefferson, like those types of guys were in that tier. And like nobody took Christian McCaffrey and it was like, it started standing out to me. And we have a, one of our content providers, Larejo is he's kind of a low stakes player, but he plays limited entries in tournaments where other people have 150 entries. And so he's really good at finding like, how do I build? Like he had a, a seventh place Millie maker finish one time where he built, I think it was like three rosters or four rosters that week. And so it's like, how do I build the types of rosters that these 150 entry guys are building when I'm only putting in a limited number of, of entries? And he has a ton of success kind of thinking that way. And there were like, I don't remember if it was in his article or it was somewhere else, but he was like, hmm, CMC, like, because nobody was talking about him. And it was at that point that I was like, yeah, like McCaffrey's still going to have 24 to 35 points, even though the Steelers are a good defense. And also, the 49ers can score 30 plus points against anyone. Right. And so, yeah, the, the CMC thing was very interesting last week. I, I ended up having him on 25% of my rosters, but I wasn't like, even in my player grid, which came out on Thursday last week, 
he wasn't in my player pool at that point. I had to add him on Saturday night because it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a lot more Christian McCaffrey than I realized. Uh, McCaffrey, in fact, let me pull up these exact numbers. Bear with me for just a moment. They're in my week two notes. So probably going to go pretty far down. Okay, so McCaffrey will throw out the game against Dallas where the 49ers playing against one of the best defenses in the NFL. So the other five games where Brock Purdy was starting and Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, CMC were all healthy. In those games, McCaffrey had scores of 29, 32, 17, 25, and 29. So a 17-pointer, that's disappointing. A 25-pointer is still going to be pretty solid on a week like this. And then 29 to 32 points in the other three games. So he's consistently getting up into that 30-point range. And then in those five games, Ayuk had a 36-pointer last week. Debo had a 31-pointer. And Kittle had a 19-pointer, which at his price tag and at his position, that's pretty solid. So it's kind of like th this idea of Purdy plus, oh, you know, and then Purdy had 15, 22, 20, 38, 18. So Purdy plus CMC, you're kind of getting about 50 points almost every time. Which if we look at salary multipliers, that's not like exactly what you need, but 50 points from two players is always valuable. And so I really like that starting point. And then we look at 60% of these games one of these other three guys has also hit either Ayuk or Debo or Kittle. Now, obviously we're kind of throwing darts to know which of them will hit, but I kind of think there's going to be this tendency this week for the field to overcorrect and think Ayuk is the number one receiver. Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference on Monday, I think it was, he said, we go into every game expecting that any of these three guys, he didn't say three guys, but any of these guys, meaning Kittle, Ayuk and Debo, any of these guys have an equal shot at having a big game that week. And then whoever has the big game, it's just dictated by what the defense does. And then he singled out Ayuk's first touchdown catch. And he, he said that the play was actually designed to go to Debo. But when they called it, they figured that the read was actually going to go to Ayuk because the, the Steelers have been putting extra attention on Debo. And they figured two guys were going to go with Debo, would leave Ayuk one-on-one -on -one and he would get open. So uh, they called the play for Debo, but because of the way the Steelers were playing the defense, Shanahan called it knowing it's probably going to Ayuk. Um, and so like this week, things could shift the other way. The Rams could pay extra attention to Ayuk and all of a sudden Debo's the guy who's running wide open on some of these plays. So uh, I think Debo, obviously all three guys are interesting, but I think Debo is particularly interesting because he has an equal shot at hitting, but the field will probably be heavier on Ayuk. And maybe the Rams will pay a little bit more attention to Ayuk this week as well. So I actually, I had that, that same thought process where it's, Maybe the field is going to overcorrect on Ayuk, but then it's like when I'm thinking that, I'm like, well, who else is thinking this? So if everybody's thinking that, isn't it like a reverse? So then nobody overcorrects on Ayuk? Yeah. Who was the player we talked about that with yesterday? There was somebody we said that with yesterday where it was like, oh, it was the Cowboys defense, where it was like, you know, everybody could be thinking about it. Then everybody could be like, well, they're expensive and everybody else will be on them. And it ends up not actually um making as big of a, a difference as you would expect so i'm pulling up ownership projections right now for the first time in fact i think i can share my screen let me figure out how to do this real quickly um okay so we've got my screen up so here's ownership projections and if we zoom in we see devo samuel currently the third highest projected owned player at 19.5 percent 
And if we scroll down to find Brandon Ayuk currently at 11%. So this is obviously Friday morning ownership projections. There's a lot of time for these things to change. But yeah, I mean, that instinct is spot on that seems like the field is overcorrecting to Debo. So we could throw Ayuk on here and probably end up getting the lower ownership numbers. Well, or we could throw Kittle on. I mean, or we throw Kittle on. Yeah. And, and I don't mind that at all. Like, I think, you know, Kittle's big games have traditionally come when Debo's on the sidelines or, you know, those games when Debo was, was playing in the backfield a lot. Uh, but it doesn't mean that Kittle can't hit. And that, that can happen in any of these games. So, yeah, I don't mind throwing Kittle on here either. We can go any direction that we want. Yeah. Just, um, just like another thought. My first thought is, or was, um, and I, I feel like this is like, maybe how newer players think. And I'm trying to like, you know, stay out of this mindset. My first thought was, okay, I have Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle to choose from. Let me go and see if I can go really cheap on tight end and then go for Debo or Ayuk. But in reality, like maybe I want to like get a more expensive tight end and then see where I can find some salary saver on wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, so we also want to look at the macro of the whole, week so the macro of the whole week kittle's going to be popular and he's in a good uh not kittle uh kelsey's going to be popular and he's in a good spot so kittle because we're paying 5300 for him he has to outperform kelsey or get really close to outperforming kelsey because we know that we're going to be competing against say 20 percent of the field that has kelsey rosters uh let's see kelsey probably currently projected below that but he's going to be one of the okay kelsey's only predicted at eight percent right now i would expect that to go up to at least like 12 to 15 percent but even at eight percent we're competing for first place so like if kelsey puts up 25 and kittle puts up 12 we're in trouble if kelsey puts up 25 and we have dalton kincaid and he puts up 12 like that doesn't matter because the salary is so different so kittle is a higher risk from like what the macro of this slate provides us and that's one of the things you have to think about. And then we also have to think about what is available at the lower end of the price range at wide receiver. But I do actually like some of the, um, in fact, we could do something fun here. Let, let's go ahead and wait on who our 49ers bring back is. Okay. Um, let's pick our Rams bring back. looks like Puka Nakua is going to be popular. I have a hard time buying that he'll be as popular as our ownership projections are saying. Again, it's Friday morning. So a lot of this is kind of algorithm driven and it'll be adjusted throughout the weekend, but we have met 17%. He also missed practice yesterday with a new injury. So, you know, we'll find out more today. He might actually not be out there. But I do, like, I think I said this, I think Puka Nakua is still underpriced. I think he should be about 6K. I probably had more money on him last week than, well, he was under 1% owned. So even having him at all was more than 99% of DFS players. But I had more money on him than 99.95% of DFS players last week. I really like him as a player. He was obviously underpriced at 3K. He's still underpriced at 4,900. Tough matchup. If he's healthy, I don't mind eating the chalk there in a stack. Uh, at the same time, Tutu Atwell, eight targets. He's going to be involved again. He has upside. So uh, we can pick either of those guys as our bring back. I'll let you make the call there. Yeah, let's uh, let's go Tutu Atwell. Right. I've always wondered this. Like, Do they downplay these injuries or do they, they uh, exaggerate them? Like, because when, when someone's out, obviously it depends on what day they're out, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. 
It depends on the team, really. Like the Patriots, there used to be the probable tag, and then the NFL took that away. And so now anybody who has anything dinged up, like you look at the Patriots injury reports, there's always like out of the 53 guys on the, on the roster, there's like 22 guys listed on the injury report as questionable. And so it's like Bill Belichick's way to, to be like F you to the rest of the league. And be like, cool. There's no probable tag anymore. Well, this guy has an injury. This guy has an injury. They're all questionable. Right. So then it's like, you kind of don't know unless news leaks out from the team. Uh, other teams are, so like Pete Carroll is notoriously optimistic about injury. I mean, he's a very optimistic person and that's part of his coaching style. And so he's like, yeah, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be good to go. Um, very oddly, I forget who it was. It was uh, Zach Charbonnet earlier this year. Pete Carroll was like, well, he's week to week. And then like two days later he came back. So that was an odd one. But yeah, it depends on like the situation. But if a guy misses practice completely and it wasn't even a limited practice, which would mean he got in a little bit of practice and then got injured. So if a guy misses practice completely, especially a rookie fifth rounder going into his second NFL game, that's probably a legit injury, right? Where they're like, Oh man, like something happens. Like Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice a few days before that game against the lions. And so then it's like, Oh man, like we got to get this guy healthy. Right. So I would think that with Puka, it's something like that. If it were week 10, and, and a guy has, uh, you know, missed practice with an oblique injury, then you're kind of like, this could just be a rest day that they're, you know, tagging it with this injury. In this situation in week two, I would, I would put it as like, oh, he got hurt. Like he strained something, but it also could be he strained something lifting in the morning and they were like, let's just hold you out of practice for the day. So we'll know more today. Um, if he plays, he's the sharpest play on the Rams, but at the same time, 25, 30% of the time, Tutu Atwell is still going to outscore him because he's kind of the number two and he has explosive upside. So, um, yeah, obviously we would build a number of rosters with this Purdy McCaffrey base and Tutu. And I would have uh, like 70% of them would probably have Puka as the bring back and 30% Tutu. So uh, in this case, I like starting here. And then what I want to do next is I want to just throw in all the cheap wide receivers who I like and the cheap tight end. And then we can just look at the salary that we have and then figure out what we want to do from there. So go ahead and throw in tank Dell at wide receiver. He's 3,400 or you can just search. Uh, actually his first name is okay. Yeah. They've got him as tank. His first name is Xavier, but uh, I think it's Xavier. Um, they've got a list as tank. Okay. Oh, he's 3,200 uh, tank Dell throw in Josh Reynolds who had, I think it was eight targets for the lions last week. Maybe it was seven, but again, he's on the field every snap and what could be a high scoring game. Throw in Nick Westbrook Akini, who nobody's going to play. And uh, if DeAndre Hopkins misses this week, he's essentially the number one wideout for the Titans. He had like one 18 pointer last year and one 31 pointer. And then everything else was under 10 points. But when you're talking about these guys who are under 4K, it's okay if they get you eight points or nine points. They just have to be the kind of guy who can get you. 20 to 30 points, right? So Nick Westbrook-Kini, if he gets you 20 points, like like I said, you know, I switched off of Puka Nakua on my main build last week. And that was effectively the difference between 20 points, which is effectively the difference between 29th place and first place in that contest, right? Or the rosters where I had him and finished second place, finished seventh place. If I didn't have him and I take away those 20 points, you get that like 0.2% owned 25 pointer 
that jumps you from like middle of the middle of the payout structure to very top of the payout structure. So uh, guys like Nick Westbrook-Kikini who won't draw a lot of attention, but can go for 20 points, 30 points, he's shown he can do it, uh, become very interesting. Uh, and then we could throw in uh, Dalton Kincaid, who we talked about yesterday, or Luke Musgrave at tight end. Uh, and this isn't to obviously like lock in these pieces, but it's just to say like, there's value on this week and we can kind of look at this. So this all sprang off the conversation of Kittle's price tag and what we should do at tight end. Right. And so, and I was saying it kind of depends on what other values available as well. So we can, I just wanted to be able to like, look at this and see, okay, there's value that, that has upside this week. So now that we see this, we can kind of start working upward from there of like, what other 49ers piece do we want? And then where do we want to change our value? A lot of times it helps to get, these cheap pieces in and then just be like, okay, now where do we want to actually spend this salary? So um, yeah, by doing this, we can kind of see, you know, where there's, cause it, I'll tell you what, man, I, I built some rosters yesterday. I'll talk about this in the player grid this week, but I built some rosters that have had Christian McCaffrey and Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs. Like there's ways to do that this week and not really be killing your shots at upside in other spots because Tank Dell Honestly, it depends on how much the Texans want to throw with a rookie quarterback and what should be a, a closer game than they had last week. But if they throw it 35 times, Tank Dell should be priced at 5K. Like, no joke, right? So I don't want the pricing psychology of his 3,200 price tag to make me feel like I'm I'm taking on this big risk where really he should be priced higher. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of his clips from training camp, from preseason, but this dude just gets open. Like there were plays where he was literally making – NFL cornerbacks fall down. Um, and he was, even before I started seeing those clips, I had to look, look up like, who is this guy? Because the coaches and, and the GM and like their press conferences kept mentioning tank. And I was like, I know tank Bigsby on the Jags, like who's tank on the, on the tank. Like I had no idea who he was. I had to like look him up and then he started popping off in preseason. It was like, dude, this guy is, he's something else. Like he gets open. And um, I think he's like, he's going to have a shot to really, you know, show out this week. So, um, yeah, yeah. Really, also, this is like very opinion based, but I just, after seeing the first game, uh, CJ Stroud, I really like the way he plays and the way he can get out of some sticky situations. Um, obviously I, I don't know if their line is that good just based on the first game, but I don't want to have that first game bias, but, uh, yeah, their you know, line was kind of just letting them, really just eat at him a lot of the first half but obviously a tougher pass rush in the ravens than they've got i mean the colts aren't aren't slouches in the pass rush but they're not nearly as scary as the ravens and after that game john harbaugh in his press conference he said mark my he literally said mark my words the texans are going to win a lot of games this year and uh obviously to, to me a lot is relative to expectations you know a lot of games is 12 games the texans aren't going to win 12 games but if everyone expects them to win three and, you know, like, and they win six, seven, eight games. It's like, oh, this is a more competitive team than people realize. Like, they're going to be a good team. They got a good coaching staff, not a ton of talent, but enough talent to be competitive. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, that's one of those spots where it's like, yes, the price tag is 3,200, but should it be 3,200? And then, you know, we can kind of look at that. that now, Josh Reynolds is priced where he should be. Nick Westbrook-Akini maybe should be like 4K, but there's still like a broad range of outcomes there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted us to get a, a look at like, what is the available, uh, you know, salary saver. So with that, 
where do you want to go up for our because I think we do want to add one more 49ers piece here. If we're putting Purdy on the roster, yes, he could score 20 and McCaffrey scores 30, and that's fine. And no wide receiver or pass catcher is is necessary to have. But if we want to win a tournament, we really want Purdy to have that 27 pointer, that 30 pointer, which means one of these pass catchers is also hitting. So do we want Ayuk or Debo or Kittle here? And then who do we want to replace among the uh the cheaps, the cheapies that we've got in? Let's take Ayuk and uh, let's uh, get rid of Reynolds. All or, right, I like it. We can get rid of uh, Akini. I, I mean, we're, we'll probably end up getting rid of Akini too. So, <laughs> but yeah, get rid of either one that you want at this point. What's funny is both those guys actually like helped me place pretty high in some tournaments last year. <laughs> hey, it could be the week again, honestly. Uh, and that's the that's the thing. Like with these cheap guys, you know, it, it's a weird balance because. You don't want to take a dud on any guy on your roster, but also if you just kind of go mid-priced across the board, you might not get any 30 pointers. So you got to get access to the expensive guys who can get you 30 points. So then the cheap guys have to be the guys, maybe they're not going to hit 20 points that often, but they can at those low price tags. Um, So yeah, next we can throw in defense. And then we see, we still have a lot of salary to work with. And there's not really, Austin Eckler appears on track to not play. Saquon Barkley is overpriced again. Um, topped, I think it was top 25 points one time last year. Uh, Tony Pollard's in a horrible matchup. Bijan Robinson, we could we could play him, but again, he saw 16 touches last week and he's 7,900. That's a lot to pay for, you know, 16 to 18 touches. Um, so we don't have to spend all this salary here. You know what I mean? Like we can go down to, we could play Josh Jacobs. If I'm playing Josh Jacobs, I probably want to bet on that game environment on that roster a little bit more, you know, like have more Bills pieces. Um, Or we could go down at running back to all these kind of 5K guys who are there. Like, I've just got a whole bucket of 5K guys. And I'm like, I don't know who's going to separate from this pack, but they're all solid plays. Um, Where you got Kenneth Walker, you've got David Montgomery, you got Jameer Gibbs with a lot of upside, but a lot of downside. You got Damian Pierce, you got Rashad White. Like, all of these guys are justifiable plays. And then we'll have like a lot of salary left over for moving up from Josh Reynolds to another elite wide receiver. Very cool. I am uh, totally okay with going with Rashad White. Or, I mean, if we're doing game environment, we could say they get up pretty ahead on uh, against the Colts. The Texans do, and we could grab Pierce. Yeah, I don't know that I love I, – I played around with the Pierce-Tank Dell pairing. Like I accidentally ended up with it on a practice build last night. Yeah. When I was like, which running back do I want? And I put Pierce on, and then I was like, wait, I've already got Tank Dell. Do I want to do that? Um, can they combine for 35 to 40 points? I guess they can. You know, like it, it's just how many touchdowns are available on that team. That's really the question. But it is a unique pairing that a lot of people won't have. And they could certainly go for 40 combined points. So, yeah, I guess I'm not totally against it as I work through my thoughts out loud. Um, And we're kind of just betting on them putting up points in that game. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So now we've got 5,200. So we're like, we're actually going to, and we're already paying up for the most expensive defense. Uh, We won't spend time on, on talking about the Cowboys. We, if you missed yesterday's show, uh, tune into that. We kind of worked through the Cowboys defense thing there where, Super strong play. Obviously, we can always go down in price if we need the salary. But um, we move off Josh Reynolds here, and we're still going to have like more salary than we need. You know, so Ayuk. Uh, 
there, and then we'll have a flex open. Okay, perfect. So Steph Diggs is the most expensive, I guess, you yeah. reach for. Yeah, and we could do – there's there's a few ways we could do it. You know, we could go Steph Diggs. And for me, like I've said, if Diggs is hitting, Allen's probably hitting as well. But the one way I want to – the only time I'll play Diggs without playing Allen is if I'm playing a cheap quarterback. Because then I'm basically saying, yeah, Josh Allen might get 30 – but Purdy might get 25 to 30 at a cheaper price tag. So I don't mind digs on this roster, or we can go down to Keenan Allen and say, you know, Keenan Allen played on the outside a lot more last week, which gives him more upside, more downfield routes. They're playing the Titans team that forces the ball to the air. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's different ways we can go and then kind of figure out what we want to do with the last of that salary. Let's grab Steph digs. I like it. All right. We grab Steph digs and that puts us at nine hundred left over in salary so a couple ways we could do it i don't want to move off of tank dell because then we're moving up to someone at 4100 who is probably a lesser play than he is at 3200 um Ayuk and mccaffrey and purdy are all part of our central thesis for this roster as is tutu atwell we can't go any more expensive at defense so the two places i see where we could shift things is we could use the extra salary up at running back and go up to say jameer gibbs and just say hey here's a guy we're taking on some risk, but he can get us 30 points. Uh, or, you know, we leave Damian Pearson and we go down in price at defense and use that salary at tight end to maybe try to get up to Mark Andrews or something like that. So uh, we might actually not have quite enough to get up to Mark Andrews. Um, so probably the sharpest way to do it is to use that salary at running back, uh, get up to like a Jameer Gibbs who's going to be low owned and has super high upside uh, obviously a broad range of outcomes, but uh, Gibbs is 6,300. What was the, just, okay. So how, or how often do four pieces hit on one team? Like this is like a Millie maker kind of thing, right? Maybe. No. So the, actually the more players from one team that you have, the smaller the contest size you want to be in. Really? Because then what you're basically saying is, I'm not nest like I'm cutting out a little bit of my paths to upside. The Millie Maker, you almost have to get everything right. And it you're probably not going to get four guys on a team who hit for a Millie Maker level score. But in smaller field tournaments, you put four guys on a team, and uh, Osmo does this pretty frequently. Osmo is one of the top DFS players. He does this pretty frequently in smaller field contests where he just overstacks one offense. And what you're basically just saying is, this offense is going to score a ton of points and it doesn't actually matter which individual pieces score them because yeah, I might only get three and a half X my salary on, on this group of four players, maybe even like 3.4 X my salary, but just getting that many points onto a roster where other people are like missing here, missing there, missing here, missing there is valuable in smaller field contests. So yeah, you could do it in a, um, in a tournament in like a smaller field contest and you could throw, Kittle on and then stick with, uh, we could go a little bit cheaper at, at defense and then free up the salary for Zach Moss or even get up to Damian Pierce or whatever we want to do. Yeah, let's go. I want to, I want to try it. I just, I haven't, I haven't done like a four, four person per team roster probably in about a year. Yeah. So again, sharpest way to do this is uh, the smaller the field, the sharper it is, right? Like if you do this in like a 300 entry, single entry, you're putting yourself in great position because you know the 49ers are going to score points. 
you know you're probably not getting 100 points from these four players, but you could easily get 80 points, 90 points, and then that's just like just getting that, you know, where, where some people in that tournament are going to finish with 110 total points because they're taking duds in all these different spots. Like you just have a starting point of 80 points and then you still have five roster spots left. So that just gives you a lot of opportunity to kind of uh, lower your ceiling a little bit, but raise your floor so much that you're going to make more money over time in those smaller field contests. Okay, cool. I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, it's almost sounds similar to head to head sort of. Yeah. 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 And, and the head to head stuff, you know, that was another thing your, your text last night was about potentially playing some head to heads with those rosters. And like with head to heads with double ups, what you really want to do is take on as little variance as possible. And so a lot of times people wouldn't put four players from one team in head to head. Cause they're like, well, then if this team doesn't score points, then this roster is getting broken. But we look at the 49ers. It's a very unique situation where, they've scored 30 plus points in seven out of nine games. You know, it's like they're probably scoring and, and Kyle Shanahan has completely owned Sean McVay. I don't know what the total record is. The Rams beat the 49ers in the NFC championship game the year they won the Super Bowl, And that was like one of their only wins against the 49ers, like year in and year out, the 49ers sweep that series. They're probably going to score 30 plus points again. And so when there's that high of a certainty of a team scoring a bunch of points and you take, four of their main pieces, it's like you're going to be way ahead of your opponent in, mo you know, you play 50 head-to-heads, you're going to be way ahead of your opponent, like 35 or 40 of those already just from all the points that you're getting. Uh, same thing in smaller field contests. And actually, you know, we, we leave some salary on the table here or we go up a little bit at, at running back. Uh, Brian Robinson's really the only guy we have the salary for right here. Or we could go, I don't know that – Robinson's necessarily an upgrade over Zach Moss. They're both just kind of yardage and touchdown backs. Both guys should see 16 to 20 touches. Um, Zach Moss should see 16 to 20 touches this week. Doesn't catch a lot of passes uh, or we go down a little bit cheaper at defense, you know, go down to the jets who have an elite defense, obviously on the road and all that, but um, an elite defense. And then we could still get up to um, Damian Pierce, you know, who we had had before the original thesis. That we had. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah, this is a very like uh, obviously super unique because a lot of people don't do this, but it's um, you know there's there aren't many if any DFS players sharper than than Osimo. There were several years where he was the most profitable DFS player, and we break down his roster sometimes in our Inner Circle podcast on Tuesdays, like showing on these smaller field contests where he'll have four players from one offense. It's always a concentrated offense with a high likelihood of scoring points. And that's the thesis behind it is, yes, you're lowering your ceiling a little bit. Now, obviously, there's the outlier game where the 49ers score so many points that these guys do combine for 100. And then you could win in a larger field contest that way. Probably not the Millie Maker still, but like something with 20,000 entries, 10,000 entries. But this, like anything with, I don't know, 3,000 or fewer entries, especially 2,000 or fewer entries, you're just putting yourself in great shape because – more than likely the 49ers will score a lot of touchdowns and more than likely those touchdowns will flow through these guys. And so you just raise the floor of your roster. And then if the rest of your roster disappoints, you're still in pretty good shape to cash. And if Diggs hits for a big game and Dell hits for a big game at his price and Atwell hits for a big game in response to the 49ers and, uh, and Pierce hits for 25 points and the Jets hit for 15 points, like now you have this 
super high floor already built in and, and then just spring up with every new you know set of points you get have a shot at first place in those smaller field contests awesome so with that i guess i got my show with pete in eight minutes so yeah. we gotta get out of here but um yeah really cool roster and cool i think cool discussion points around what this slate provides and also just the strategy of how and where to build a roster like this and then um also, this roster is, it's kind of fun in that I really like both the rosters we've built this week, actually, but this one's really fun in that there's a lot of different directions you could go off of it. You know, you can go Puka instead of uh, Tutu. You can go different running backs in that second running back spot. You can go down to three 49ers and mix and match the 49ers you're using, mix and match the high price guys you're using. Um, so yeah, really cool stuff. Um, with that, we'll close this out. And Keegan, appreciate the time. I will see you. Actually, so we're recording this. First time I'm saying this, end of the show. We're recording this Friday. Uh, show comes out Saturday. So you guys might be working with a little more information than we were working with. But uh, we will see you on one week season throughout the weekend. We will see you back here next week. And we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday.